Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Welcome, everybody, to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, the president of Paradigm Security Services. We are excited to be with you again today on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth. In addition to Paradigm Security Services, this show is also brought to you by Sosby's Garage and the Mana Scholarship Fund. On every show, we feature businesses and organizations in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County, and a lot of times we do nonprofits and uh, people that are running in the political arena. While all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security, and we'll touch on that and other related aspects of security as we go through the course of our shows. Our guest today, I'm extremely happy to have back with me, Dr. Rich McCormick. Uh, A lot of you are going to know who he is. Those that don't, you're fixing to have a great show as you listen to him tell a little bit about himself, and we talk about the things that are going on right now in the political arena and just overall around the around the world right now, there's so much going on. Rich is running for, as the district lines are drawn right now, the Georgia seventh. Uh, we'll see where that lands after the uh, after September, I guess, when they redraw them. Rich, fantastic having you here. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm really happy about this. Well, I appreciate you coming. And one of the things, just give me a little brief synopsis of who you are and tell the people that don't know which if there are any <laughs> certainly so for those of you who have not been uh, paying attention to the last 20 million dollar race uh, in which we lost a very narrow uh, decision to Carolyn Bordeaux the current seventh district uh, congresswoman uh, we we had a an extremely ambitious plan to take a open seat uh, and and uh, it was a slugfest. Uh, at 1.40 at night, we were told we won the election by a lawyer who had uh, done six elections prior to that. And uh, and then about 10 minutes later, right around 2 o'clock, which is a, as we witnessed in this last election cycle, around 2 o'clock, all kinds of craziness happened around the nation. And uh, there, there's a lot to be said about the drop boxes and the 60,000 votes that all of a sudden showed up from all these drop boxes that were the bilingual, especially here in Gwinnett, which is the only county that had bilingual ballots. Uh, the, the system crashed seven times. Uh, you had uh, just all kinds of mayhem break loose, and all of a sudden we went from being 5,000 up to 10,000 uh, down in, in just a matter of minutes. It's amazing. Uh, and then we were told uh, we, that there was a mistake and that we actually won, and then we were told we lost. And I said, okay, hold up. Don't tell me anymore until we get off the, the, uh, the roller coaster. And uh, ultimately, though, we did end up losing a very narrow election cycle. Uh, we have targeted this. We mean the Republican Party have targeted this race as one of the top ten in the nation. Uh, it's one uh, of only 11 races the American Action Network has invested a significant amount of money in, which is uh, part of the Congressional Leadership Fund by McCarthy and, and the leadership of the Republicans. Um, we, we believe that we'll be one of the top races in America again, and we'll be a big part of taking back the House majority. Well, let, I'll tell you what, that's one thing uh, that, that's important is the majority. Uh, that, that's got to happen because there's, there's just too much craziness going in in the world right here. I appreciate you coming in because I know that you spent the night in the ER uh, doing your doctor thing. 
<laughs> so you know i've been there i worked those all nights before and it's it's tough getting in there and uh staying all night and then coming in the day let's start off by talking about the thing that's in the news the most right now and people are going to say well i wonder which topic that is but right now i guess it would be afghanistan hmm. uh i know you've served uh you you were a marine pilot and you served over there and so you, I mean, there's, you've got firsthand knowledge of what it's like over there. In fact, we were talking before we came on, you know, you've got firsthand knowledge of basically everything that's going on in here with a hands-on from, uh, from that to COVID to Haiti. But let's just start off with Afghanistan. Give us your take on sure. the, so, the, the fiasco. Yeah, so <laughs> very disappointed. This, this is literally a modern-day Vietnam uh, the way it was handled mostly. Uh, I, I know several veterans from Vietnam. I had two uncles that, that flew uh, for the Air Force in Vietnam. I, I know Major General Levinston, one of the uh, only uh, surviving Georgia Medal of Honor winners, uh, who just has a phenomenal story if you've ever read about it, just an amazing guy. Um, there are so many people who served in Vietnam. In fact, <laughs> I was just posting about this the other day. We got, we got banned from uh media social media because of a facebook post i did it was very very tactful actually it just criticized the the way we handled afghanistan and, and just what a what a, a blight it was to those men and women who served over there gave time away from their families or gave the ultimate sacrifice to all those men and women over in afghanistan mm -hmm. the tens of thousands who have died afghanis who were patriots who fought for their country uh, for all those people who are still uh, you know standing up for their great country there uh, the women who prepared their bodies for the the uh, death burial uh, by uh, just so they could have the freedom to go and vote and be ready to give the ultimate sacrifice just to have the freedom to vote that that one of the things that, that really struck me is the the people really want freedom it's oh, a universal thing now at the same time though I will say um, uh, one of the things we were briefed on before we went over there, and it was this is not secret information or anything like that, but why is it that the Afghani people switch sides so quickly? And, and this is one of the things that Joe Biden was so quick to criticize. Well, they have to fight for themselves. So we can't just do it all for them all the time. They needed to do what they needed to do, and they didn't do it. That, that's his mantra. That's yeah. his defense, right, that they didn't do what they're supposed to do. But if you think about, first of all, and don't let me digress on this point, but uh, how many countries in the world are we still involved in that we've historically been occupying, if you will, or, or been a part of that? We're still in Korea. We're still in Japan. We're still in Italy. We're still in Spain. We're still in Germany. We're still in Iraq. We're all over the world right now. Absolutely. We'd be in the Philippines if they didn't want us there right now. Now, they didn't want us to leave Afghanistan. I promise you that. We decided that it was just an unpopular thing to do, even though people weren't really, really paying attention to it. We had about 2,500 uh, troops over there, which is less than we have in Spain right now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, think about that. And, and, and as far as I know, Spain is a fairly stable country. Uh, but think about the kind of things that we could have avoided. We weren't getting any casualties over there. We were supporting them through drone strikes, through, through logistics, through intelligence. Uh, we were stabilizing that region. And all we had to do is just be there. And it didn't cost us hardly anything. Uh, I was there during the drawdown stage in 2016. I was head of emergency medicine in Kandahar, Afghanistan, a NATO uh, Roll 3 hospital. Um, we were a big part of supporting some, some very strategic special forces insurgents. We were also there to support uh, Afghani special forces and, and some of the VIPs in that area. Uh, one of the things I remember happening when I was there, and, and this is one of the reasons we have problems over there, they have a very corrupt government system, much like in Vietnam, yep. where we, uh, we were 
propping up a, a government that wasn't entirely legitimate. Now, some of these warlords that survived the Russian uh, occupation uh, became generals and became regional commanders in Afghanistan. That's part of the problem. They were corrupt. Now, every time you had an, an amazing Afghani come up in the power who, who was rising through the ranks legitimately through meritocracy, all the things that you think that would happen in American society, unfortunately, you make enemies on both sides of the fence, just like in Mexico. Whenever you have a good politician oh, yeah. come up in Mexico, either the drug lords are going to get you or the government are going to get you. You're going to be assassinated. Same thing's happening in, in Afghanistan. We had uh, this amazing general uh, coming up through the ranks, and my, my interpreters literally told me he's a dead man. And I was like, what do you mean? He said... Everybody loves him. He's not corrupt. And, and when everybody loves you, you're going to get killed because he, the warlords are going to see you as, as somebody who is you're a threat a threat to their power. And then the the Afghan Tal, the, the Taliban, of course, are going to see you as somebody to be trifled with too. So that person got assassinated. Sure as heck. I mean, within a week of them telling me that he was assassinated, and, and then they start pointing out the other corruption. I, I kind of see the writing on the wall. But we were the one stabilizing force. Now, if you think about it historically. And every Marine Corps officer, by the way, has to go through command and staff uh, if you make rank, basically major and, and going up towards mm -hmm. lieutenant colonel. Uh, you have to go to command and staff. We learn all about Vietnam. We learn all about the commitment to a cause. We learn about stability. And one of the things that, that struck me is since World War II, there's not been a whole lot of shuffling of borders other than the Cold War and with what Soviet Union did with invading the Eastern Bloc countries. The reason is because the United States has been involved worldwide. We've stabilized the borders. We have made this world really kind of behave itself. We are the world's police, Absolutely. like it or not. Uh, some people hate it. Some people, you know, I, I understand where Ryan Paul is coming from. Those people who are more isolationist. We shouldn't be involved. I understand what their point is. But quite frankly, any country that has retracted into an isolationist um, standpoint has become obsolete. Uh, you, you saw it clear back in the 15th century when, when China was literally the world power would dwarf any fleet from England, which was the, the world power in, in uh, Navy at the time, just dwarfed them. Uh, there's, there's strong evidence that in 1421, the Chinese discovered America. They were circumnavigated the, the world bef well before Magellan. They had this huge, amazing, rich empire. And then all of a sudden, the Mandarin Empire decided we're going to become isolationists. They retracted. They burned the books. And, and all of yep. a sudden, they lost all their wealth. They lost all their influence. And the world is totally different than it would have been if they would have maintained. I mean, we might be speaking Chinese. Yeah. I mean, and that's what isolationism does. You lose your ability to influence people. You lose your wealth. You lose your influence. You lose your ability to affect your own uh, borders. And, and that's kind of what isolation is, it, it results in. And I, historically, we should learn those lessons. Historically, we should learn what, what, what you know, you, you make this huge investment for decades in a country, billions of dollars, thousands of American lives. And then we decide one day in one week we're going to retract uh, without Everything. any kind of good plan. And look what it's resulted in. It's horrible leadership. Total chaos. And, and getting back to what the Afghan, what we were briefed going into Afghanistan, I mean, this has been since the beginning. They said the reason they switched sides so quickly is because an average Afghani fam family just wants to make it to the next generation. Think about that. They say, we don't, we think like Americans. Mm -hmm. hey, no matter what I do, you know, the poorest people have cell phones, a computer, uh, usually a car, uh, a gaming system, a big screen TV. Those are our poor people. <laughs> now, in Afghanistan, those people are literally just trying to make it to the next generation. They're hoping that they don't get killed, that they can actually procreate to the next generation so they can have some sort of ancestry involved. And, and if they don't pick the right size, they very well, their family memory disappears from the face of the earth. 
And so they will jump ship to whoever they think is going to live. And if they don't think you're dedicated to their country, to, to the long haul term, they're going to jump ship right away, which is exactly what happened. We yep, were briefed exactly on this. Exactly what we did. Ten years ago, I knew about this. And so it's not surprising, Joe Biden saying, oh, why didn't they fight for themselves? Because you deserted them. Because they knew that we were, they were going to lose if they did. That's right. And right now we have 60,000 people, they're probably closer to 80,000, uh, who were allies to us, who did the right thing, who stood up for their nation, that, that are trying to get out of that country right now that we didn't have a plan for. And, and quite frankly, if they're discovered, they're going to be killed. Their families are going to be killed. It is a travesty on on. A world scale. I mean, it's horrible. One of the big questions that's that's going around right now is, you know, why didn't we pull those people out? Why didn't we pull the Americans out? Why didn't we get all these people out before we pulled the military? And I mean, it's it's just basically bass backwards. Well, think about this. Joe Biden's been in politics for almost fifty years. Never made a good decision. And when, well, he never had he never had any of this. Why didn't you educate yourself? I mean, if you're going to do anything, you educate yourself. If you're going to be the commander in chief. Why wouldn't you know what happened in Vietnam? Why wouldn't you see what, what wars are like? What kind of strategic influence we're going to have in the world? He stuck to politics rather than sticking to, to learned, age-old philosophy and strategy, uh, strategy that, that wins wars, that wins the hearts and minds of people. If you're going to fight a war, you do it Clausewitzian style. You come in there full force, you win it, and then you, you can turn over the keys, but you've got to be there. That's why we're still in Korea. That's why we're still in Japan. That's why we're still in Germany and all over the world, because that's what stabilizes the world. And if you're going to be involved, if you're going to be a world power, if you're going to be the wealthiest nation in the world, if you're going to be the most powerful nation in the world, that's the commitment you have. Now, if you want to be in isolation, if you want to live in a teepee in the middle of the, uh, of the, uh, the plains, which some people in America think we all should, yeah. we shouldn't have cars, we shouldn't have big houses, we shouldn't have electricity, we shouldn't have wealth, we shouldn't be better than anybody else. We shouldn't, but they did. That, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the problem is, is this idea, this, this built-in aristocracy, that the only people that should be able to fly around in private jets are government people. Yeah, that's, 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 that's amazing, isn't it? Not what made America great. Well, you know, we've got a whole long list of things that are going to go on there in that country, and none of it from this point is going to be good. Uh, there's going to be a, a lot in the news over the next week or two or three that's just uh, – and it's total chaos over there. And uh, it really makes America look bad. I mean, just the bottom line of it. And it's a slap in the face to every American that sacrificed to go over there or, or gave the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, uh, I mean, Pat, Pat Tillman died there, yep. you know, an American hero. That's I, I, just one of thousands of, of amazing patriots that went over there to do what they thought was right. And, uh, and that's a slap in our face. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, another slap in the face is the situation that uh, our – wonderful president has gotten us into on our southern border mm. uh i mean right now we're going through all these band-aids of masks and shutdowns and all this kind of stuff and he's got a wide open border where they're just pouring across i mean i know that you have experience in paying attention to that so let's talk about the border situation what's your thoughts on that one so i ironically once again my, my father actually taught border patrol at the federal law enforcement training center he, he was a fleet tech instructor and uh Another irony is that Obama, when he was running for president, 
talked about a strong southern border, yep. that you had to have accountability. He was known as the deporter-in-chief. He, he deported a ton of illegal immigrants. And then all of a sudden, the, the Democrats get this idea that we're going to start overreaching. We're going to do everything we can, not just for the good, not for the good of the nation, but so, so we can tilt the cards in our favor, uh, whether it be opening up the southern border, uh, embracing everything unconstitutional when it comes to voting rights, stacking the courts. Uh, once again, it doesn't matter how they do it. As long as they get it done, they can cheat all they want. That's why they don't care about voter accountability. That's why they, they pretend like uh, people of color and immigrants aren't smart enough to get IDs ID that are free. Yep. And, and readily accessible. One of the country, uh, one of the states, uh, North Carolina, actually had a program uh, when Nikki Haley was governor there, where they actually said, "Okay, we'll just uh, we'll pay for you. We'll actually come and pick you up at your door to get you an ID. That's how much we'll do." And you know how many people use that? A couple hundred. Yeah. Because it's everybody has an ID. If you want to go to school board meeting, you got to have an ID. If you want to go see a doctor, you have to have an ID. How many people do you know who's never seen a doctor? Well, you know, I just got through going to my doctor, and the first thing I had to do was give him my ID. <laughs> if you buy something, if you if you go to a doctor, if you go to school, if you've ever gone to school, you got an ID. How many people don't drink? How many people don't buy cigarettes? That's right. I so mean, there's IDs that that just that's such a farce of an argument, but it's amazing that they keep focusing on that argument. That's right. But more to the point with this southern border, uh, it's very ironic at one point we were kidding because Joe Biden realized he has to complete some of the border walls because there's such an overload of people in these hospital systems. And that's and by the way, that is a human crisis. Absolutely. Uh, the people coming across the border who are making it to facilities are in more crowded facilities than they ever were when Trump was president. And yet they're not showing any more videos of that all of a sudden. All of a sudden you can't get into that. You're not going to see it. It's not going to be politicized. It's not going to be put on the news. And because it's not going to be put on social media. That's right. Because all of a sudden it's not the thing to talk about. It's like when Obama took presidency, all of a sudden Afghanistan didn't exist. Even though they were doing a body count daily when Bush was. And the biggest... Uh, death toll was during Obama's presidency. People don't realize what a huge impact the media has. A four-point swing. Liberal professors, four-point swing is what they say it has on, on our voting. And think about how close our voting is every year to have the social media and the news make that kind of impact on America. They're literally owning who's the president and who's winning these major races based on how skewed they are. Like I said, I got, I got uh, uh, censored based on a post that I'm, a, I'm an Afghan uh, expert, and they censor me, and they let the Taliban talk. Yeah, that's 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 amazing that they that's been in there in the news today talking about the Taliban. They will not the the head of the Taliban, the leader that he gets on there, and they just keep posting it. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But but once it's again, not, it's, it's not it's not fact checking anymore. It's just plain censorship. No, that's right. And remember, <laughs> you talk about fact check. This last election, Bloomberg dropped 1.5 million against us in the last month of the campaign, and. Uh, the uh, this rolling clouds and it said politician Rich McCormick. I've never been in politics in my life. Politician Rich McCormick doesn't believe in COVID. No mention I'm an ER doc treating COVID for a living. Uh, doesn't want pre-existing conditions covered. That's how I get paid. And wants older adults to be pay uh, 15 to 20 times more for healthcare. What in the world are you talking about? And and they'll take these weird sound bites and just totally skew it. No fact checks, no nothing, because they don't care it's as long as it's their narrative. Their narrative. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm all over the maps, by the way, today, today right. guys. I'm just coming off of two very long ER shifts. We had two physicians go down, one with a, a heart attack and one with COVID. So we had to pick wow. up some extra ships. I'm like on coffee and prayers right now. Uh, but that southern border right now has actually opened us up to a lot more disease, too, by the way. I, I treated a, a patient the other day in the ER, actually just uh, yesterday, uh, who had come from Honduras, uh, had 
been tested because he was symptomatic, but hadn't no, didn't know the result, and then was just released into the public. So if you have a disease process, it doesn't matter if you have cancer, uh, if you have COVID, if you have pneumonia, if you have diabetes and you're diabetic ketoacidosis, if you have liver failure or kidney failure and you need dialysis from the day you cross the border, by the way, they're going to pick you up at the border, and instead of arresting you and turning you back, by the way, which we've done with millions of people this year, mm-hmm. uh, they are going to deliver you to the nearest ER and let you go. So yeah. you're going to get free health care, which is going to be, by the way, they, talk, they debated that in the Democratic debate. Will you give them free health care? Well, the secret is they're already getting it. Millions of people are getting free health care who are not citizens. Well, they can't turn them away. And guess what? You're waiting in line behind them, and then you pay their bill. Exactly. That, that's the irony. They're going to get first-class health care after they cross the border illegally, and you're going to wait for them behind them in hour-long waits, uh, hours and hours, of, and then you're going to pay for their bill as soon as you get up there because that's what happens when your insurance companies uh, charge you more to pay for what they don't pay for. Otherwise, the hospitals would close. Sure. And, and the, they're, bringing, they're, they're saying a huge number, thousands and thousands of these people coming across the border who are bringing COVID with them. You want to see why we're having outbreaks all over, especially in Texas and stuff like that? Because they're bringing it with them. We're seeing measles for the first time in the United States for a long time. Why? Because they're bringing it with them. They're not medically screened. And yet, if you go on vacation, if I go on vacation, I go to Europe, guess what? To get back in the United States, you better have a COVID test. Yeah, they're flying these people free, free, and they don't even have to have an ID to get on the plane. You try to get on the plane without an ID. (laughs) Or a COVID test. Or a COVID test. Exactly. You, You know, something. But the southern border has been there again, another disaster uh, from day one. Uh, it's just been crazy because they're bringing they're bringing the COVID in. They're bringing other diseases, like you say. They get them on the buses. They ship them. Uh, you know, Florida, a lot of the states across the South are blossoming and blooming and exploding with COVID, and they wonder why. It's not what the governors are doing. It's the fact of what the president's doing and the administration is doing, sending these people in there that have the COVID and the disease. So, and they're doing it on know. purpose. He wants the southern oh, states to be to flooded with uh, immigrants. Uh, first of all, I'd say a burden on the economy. Uh, it also he wants to change the demographics voting wise. Uh, ironically, I think eventually the the Hispanic community from from the southern portion of our board are going to be conservatives because they think think like conservatives they're they're entrepreneurs they want opportunity they're hard workers uh they believe in god they believe in in life believe in abortion uh i think they're going to be unpleasantly surprised in the long run as as we embrace that community but but i want to embrace them in a legal way i want them to do it right and i don't think it's fair that so many people in america who are doing it the right way have to wait in line behind people who are doing it the wrong way that's one of my biggest things i you know i asked had a question in fact it was Carolyn Badeau. I was at an event uh, yesterday, yeah, day before yesterday, at a hiring event over here at the at the Gaslight thing. And she said, "I don't know your feelings on uh, immigration." And I said, "Well, quite frankly, I have no problem whatsoever with legal immigration. I have a big problem with illegal immigration." And then she just kind of backed up a little bit and then started preaching the mantra of getting people. Uh, approved and and made citizens that are here and all that and you know that that's where they stand is let's just take all these people that are here let's make them all citizens and all of a sudden we don't have illegal immigration duh (laughs) and once again it's a slap in the face of the people who've done it right absolutely there's there's tons of people who who are from all over the world who are waiting in line doing the right thing paying their taxes 
who have put in their application and they're still not approved years later. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, they're in jeopardy of losing their visa. They're doctors. They're lawyers. They're people who are of consequence and of benefit to the United States who have done everything right, who have family here, and yet they're deported. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. Yeah, there's no there's no logical reason to it. And ironically, if you're from the wrong country, uh, you can, you know, whether you be from Haiti or from India or other countries that, that didn't just sneak across the border, uh, you can be deported or not allowed here at all. And that includes Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's disgraceful. It is. Well, you're a doctor, you're in, in the ER, you're associated with the COVID. Give us a quick COVID update as far as you're concerned. Sure. So we are struggling right now in the ER, uh, partially uh, and ironically because of nursing staff, especially shortages. Um, because of the pandemic, uh, nurses are needed all over the, all over the world. And, and so it's, it's, people are hiring at double price. You know, you can travel and get paid double the price rather than stay here and get paid less. And so that's caused an instability to the market. Uh, now, the, the really strange thing is, ha- <laughs> not to get too political with the COVID, but, uh, and, and ironically, somebody, somebody will ask you, hey, Rich McCormick, when do you think this, uh, this COVID thing will end? And I, I'm like, I'm just a doctor. <laughs> Ask a politician, because yeah, they're the ones that are going to determine how, how long this lasts. Exactly. Uh, it's kind of like uh, any war that we've ever been in. Don't ask me. I'm just a, I'm just a Marine. Ask the politicians how long this war is going to last, because the politicians seem to want to control everything, including this uh, this idea that when we should wear masks, how often we should wear masks, when we should get vaccinated, regardless of the situation. Uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, too, because that's really important, understanding that a doctor and a patient and its relationship is just as uh, important as any lawyer and their and their you know client. You should not intrude on that. I don't care who you are. This is America. We have some decisions to make that are based on common sense and science and medicine, which is an art form. Uh, we shouldn't have government intruding on those decisions. Now, you can try to educate people. That's great. But this is not the United States of America that I know of when we start mandating people do things of their own bodies. I love how all these people who are pro-choice all of a sudden don't want any choice. I mean, there is no consistency yeah. in thoughts whatsoever. Uh, but we are being overburdened right now in the hospital system. We don't have enough rooms that are staffed by nurses. Uh, we do have a huge uptick for those people who don't think that COVID is real. It is real. Uh, it is affecting people in droves. We have um, a large population still being uh admitted to the hospital now we're not seeing the death rate you notice we're not talking about covid deaths we're talking about positive rates and hospitalizations but we're doing much better in managing some of it's because we've gotten better at managing we realize that intubation is not a good thing Uh, high flow nasal oxygen uh steroids in the inflammation stage um uh the monoclonal antibodies in the initial uh contagious stage uh, and viral replication stage, we've, we've gotten better at managing it, but also people are either developing some sort of resistance to it or the Delta variant is much more contagious but not as deadly. We don't know. We're sorting all those details out right now. What I can tell you, though, is about in this last uh, couple of weeks, we had around 30% of the people that were admitting to the hospital had COVID and were being admitted for COVID, not with COVID, but for, for COVID. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Um, now, of those people, uh, like I said, not, not a whole lot of them were dying, but a lot of people were, were being admitted. Now, for those people who don't want to get vaccinations, I respect that. I'm a, I'm a choice guy. I really am. But realize that almost every single patient we're admitting is unvaccinated. We have plenty of people p- testing positive who have, been, who have uh, been vaccinated, but they're not being admitted because they're not as sick. And that's the benefit of the vaccination. You are less sick 
And so I'm a big proponent of it. Uh, now, if you're a kid, kids don't get admitted to the uh, hospital because they just don't get sick. So I'm not as big a proponent for, for vaccination for children. Uh, that's, a, that's worth a discussion with your doctor, once again, because there's pros and cons of it. Everything is a percentage game. Everything. So realize that every person has to take chances, whether they get it or not the disease as well as the vaccination and there's percentages that make it worthwhile to you and then you have to weigh those benefits versus risks and make a decision based on you just like if you're going to use antibiotics some people will benefit from antibiotics and some people don't depending on what disease process we're talking about chemotherapy whatever disease it's always been up to you and your doctor and if you don't like what your doctor says you go find another doctor you've always had the ability to say no that's medicine but now all of a sudden we're saying blanket statement we want all physicians to believe the same thing all physicians treat the same way we don't want any uh, anybody to think differently, and as a matter of fact, we'll censor you if you don't agree with what we want you to agree with. And that is not American. That's, that's totally against the First Amendment. It's totally against the art of medicine. As a matter of fact, the reason we've had progress in medicine is because we disagree. If we always agreed on everything, we'd never make progress in medicine. Exactly. It's when people step out and say, look, I think we should wash our hands in between surgeries. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, we made progress. We got less infections. Ironically, the first guy who ever said that was censored. Think that about that. Doesn't surprise me. And, and so, so that's how we don't make progress is when we censor doctors who think outside the box. Now, that doesn't mean that every doctor is going to be right. And, and there's some doctors, <laughs> Dr. Stock, God love him, you know, he made a video recently and went viral. And I got it sent to me by probably 15 people. What do you think about this? I'm like, well, there's some things I agree with, but there's some things I disagree with. You know, if you treat 15 patients and you're a family practitioner, no offense, you're not seeing the sick patient. I'm in the ER seeing these sick patients. And I've seen hundreds of them. I may have more expertise than you. Don't think that just because you're in a microcosm of your little world that you are speaking on the authority of all doctors. And unfortunately, people buy into that. And you have to be very careful about what your itching ears want to hear, as the good book says. Yeah. It has to be based on a consensus. But we should always allow people, like doctors talking to other people, to be able to talk about a disease process and have their opinion. And I can respect that. And I'm okay with people having disagreements. And we can discuss that. But let's not censor people. And, and say we can't have a disagreement because then we make no progress whatsoever. But this is a very real problem in America right now. We still need to be vaccinated, in my opinion, for anybody who's over the age of 40, anybody who has comorbidities, you're going to have a much greater chance of a good life. And, and I, there's a lot of sheepish people I see in the ER every single day, by the way. And I say, why didn't you get the, ER, the, the vaccination? Well, because I didn't trust it. <laughs> and now they're hospitalized and they're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars fighting the disease and feel like crap for a very long time because of the, they didn't want to have the minor side effects that they probably would have had with, with the uh, vaccination. And, and I know everybody's worried about the long-term effect of the vaccination. There is a real consequence to long-term effect of having the disease that's much more devastating than having the vaccination. People with scarred lungs for the rest of their life, scarred hearts for the rest of their lives. Just keep in mind that if you're the kind of person that reacts to the vaccination, that's the same DNA that you get in the, vac in the disease process, right. too, only more. And so if you have a reaction to the, to the, uh, to the vaccination, you're probably going to have the same reaction, only greater, to COVID. So, so don't buy into this whole hype uh, that, that, that that vaccination is evil. Remember, Trump came up with this vaccination by cutting <laughs> regulation. It is a Trump vaccination. And, and remember, he did a favor to us all by, by, uh, by cutting through all the red tape that most presidents would have never done because it would seem like a lot of uh, a risk. Uh, and it's about to be FDA approved, by the way. And, and I, like I said, for high-risk people, I think it's worth it. Well, you do make a good argument for the vaccine. I'll give you that. The, um, and Mike's back there smiling. Uh, 
he knows my thoughts on it. Um, <laughs> I, I respect it. I understand yep. if you don't want to get it, I get it. And especially if you already had the disease process and had the antibodies, which lasts about six to 10 months, I get it. And there is a risk when you have antibodies, there is a risk to having the vaccination, by the way, a hypersensitive re- re- reaction. So that's worth a discussion at least, right? Yeah. But, t- totally and that's agree. why it's, it's a choice. And I, I respect that. Well, and I'm glad that you do. And, and I respect people's choice on it too. I mean, just not, it's not a problem with me whether people take it or they don't take it it's a personal choice yes sir so all right we got two more things we need to go through quick um touch on the inflation a little oh. bit are, are we are we actually going to see long-term inflation well it depends <laughs> on long term it when the economy contracts again then we'll see inflation because there we're going to have a crash and and if you look at the history of when we do these big spending bills and what follows there's going to be a crash there's no way we can continue this one of the best books I ever read was a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. Exceptional book. I highly recommend it to people. It's, a, it's been around for a long time. It talks about the establishment of the Federal Reserve at Jekyll Island here in Georgia and, and about how the banking system has relied on uh, over-influencing the government. And, and anybody who knows anything about the Federal Reserve understands that it's neither federal nor is it a reserve. It's not run by the government. It's a private entity. Um, it, we pay. It has it, a lot of control. Oh my goodness! It, it was established by the richest people in America at the time, uh, on a little island uh, where everybody called each other by code names in order to establish this. They've literally—they uh, are the kingmakers. They can get people into presidency. They—they they control the interest rates. They—they they make sure that banks, big banks, survive when they shouldn't and when they misbehave. Uh, they literally survive off all these economics. And I highly recommend it because it actually talks about how even in the future, this is well before it started happening, by the way, that how you can use an environmental movement, for example, to justify overspending by government and taxation by government, which is not American, uh, in order to control, once again, the economy and the winners and losers, where you have these big boys using protectionist regulation because they have lobbyists up in D.C. and they will squeeze out everybody else. But the inflation is real. It's going to come. It's based on things we learned in junior achievement when I was Absolutely. in high school. years and I had too many years ago to count. Uh, <laughs> supply and demand. If you have too much money and the same amount of supply, in this, in this uh, economy, we actually have a contracting economy in some ways because you don't have the supply that we need that is demanded but you have more money than than you had than you had because the government's just printing it off and so you're having absolute inflation there's no way to avoid it you can pretend to to tap it down by by controlling the federal reserve and say i'm going to pretend like i have only two percent inflation but but if you look at the cost of living how much a house costs how much products cost how much groceries cost it is out of control already a used car a used car i have a friend of mine who bought a used car who's worth $15,000 $15,000 more than what he bought it for. A used car. Are you kidding me? Uh, their inflation is for real, and it's very scary because this, this cannot continue. And, and when we're paying people to stay home, and by the way, this goes back into the nursing staff thing too, by the way. Uh, when you say, I'm going to not allow you to work unless you're vaccinated, and the nurse is like, well, I've been around this for a year and a half, and I haven't had the disease, so I must have done something right, or I have antibodies, and now you're going to force me to get a shot that I might have an adverse reaction when I haven't had it for a year and a half when I'm working around these patients every day. I'm not going to work here. So let's pay them to stay home, which is going to make the hospital system work, exactly. which is going to make the, the economy worse. And anybody who knows, if you're, if you're paying somebody to stay home, you're, you're the, the equivalent effect on the economy and lack of taxes versus spending on taxes, uh, it's a four-time devastation to the economy. And yet we're, we're literally encouraging people to stay home instead of producing the very products we need to keep down inflation. We're spending money by printing it, which is making it 
Uh, think about that. We're literally doing the opposite of what we should be doing. We have, and what they're going to do is they're going to start to slowly siphon that off right before the elections to make it look like Joe Biden did something amazing to bring the economy back, right? I'm not going to pay you to stay at home anymore. Oh, look, the, infl- the, the unemployment yeah, went down. The economy's booming. Because uh, now we're going to have to pay for the piper, though, for that $6 trillion we spent. Well, it, just like in, in my business, in the security business, we're having, we, we cannot get people that want to come to work because they're being paid to stay home and what I tell people, as long as small business is in competition with the government for people, we lose. Absolutely. Uh, it, they can pay people more to stay home than I can pay them to be at work. And it's in every business. It's in construction. It's in the hospital. It's in the, uh, uh, the restaurant business. Everybody's hurting right now. And, and, it's, and it's created by the government. Absolutely, it's created. Now, last question. Um, <laughs> Biden's competency. Uh, what is your thoughts there? I'm sure that you probably greatly disagree with me. <laughs> Not. But go well, ahead. Go you for know, it. if you look at clips of him from just eight years ago, uh, the difference of Joe Biden then and now, he was very Clinton-esque at the time. Now, whether you agree with his politics is kind of beside the point. He's the same politician he always was. Absolutely. He believes in the same liberal policies. It's just that the liberals have become so much more uh, socialistic in their approach. I mean, John Kerry and George Bush, when they ran against each other, were almost identical in their policies. If you listen to that debate, if you watch it over again, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, they're almost the same person. They're just It's a competition who could spend the most money. Yeah. But now there's been this divergence of the parties. Where, where the, the liberals have literally gone off the deep end. And, and Joe Biden has bought into it, just like Jimmy Carter. Uh, that, that Democrat party of, we always used to say, the Kennedys, uh, doesn't exist anymore. No. But let's not go Kennedys. The, 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 the Clintons don't exist anymore. Uh, wait, even the Obama, the one who wanted to secure the southern border and do all these things that now conservatives would agree on, they're gone. They have literally gone off the deep end where they don't want to follow the Constitution. They want to have the federal government take over the way we run elections, the way we tax, the way we uh, do immigration. Everything's so socialistic. And the way they've married up with social media to the point where they can censor people based on the government working with social media on who they're going to censor, that, my friend, is not socialism. That is communism. communism. Yep. And that should scare everybody out there right now because it depends on which government's going to be in control. You could be censored next. So don't think that you're, you're going to get away with this. It's just like if you, want to, uh, uh, if you want to have Sharia law over here, be careful because if you're a homosexual, if you're a woman, that's not going to be a very liberal it's thing for not you. Not going to be very good for you. And, and I think if you look at Joe Biden once again, then versus now, the smooth talking guy that he was, the very Clinton esque way he would approach politics, under he could take a question and, and interpret it, and and just like Bill Clinton, handle it very very politically. Now he doesn't have the the mental facilities to even handle a friendly country uh, uh, question sometimes. I remember during the work up to his election, he had a friendly guy in a business ask him a friendly question, and he got persnippity and he wanted to fight the guy. And I'm yeah. like, what the heck's happening here? He misperceived what was happening, and that's his mental, he's basically his senility, making him paranoid, and he starts to get very frustrated. You can see it. He's not the smooth just, guy. Just immediate defense. Yep, and that's very common of people who, as they get older, lose their mental faculties. Uh, now, it's not happening to Bernie Sanders, and I totally disagree with his politics, Absolutely. but he's still very sharp. He's, oh, yeah, he's But sharp. Joe Biden is not there. You, it's not just one snippet. It's not him just falling down the stairs like Gerald Ford. This is yeah. a continual daily thing where he does not have the ability to handle questions, to stay on train with his thought process, does not have the ability to pivot on any sort of unexpected question. He is not there. He is not the Joe Biden we once knew, and he's really not the president. 
Yeah, there's uh, you can just watch him, and it's a shame because you, you know, I really feel sorry for him in a lot of ways. Cause, and it, and his family's just pushing him to pushing him through this. Uh, you know, most families would have kind of said, you know, "Let's back off a little bit before before he actually got elected." But he was da- he was damned and determined he was going to be president no matter what, and they were all for it. Now look what we got. Well, and and it's a shame that. That we got to this point too, based on a, a hatred of how I would give anything for a mean tweet right now. Oh, and, don't and you know? We'd still have Afghanistan though, and we'd still have uh, a much quicker economy recovering. And uh, yeah, it's just hurting my heart. We wouldn't have chaos. That's right. So, well, Rich, thank you so much for being here. I I, I love it when you come on. Uh, you've got so much knowledge. You got so much personal knowledge in all of these areas. Um, I only wish you the best of luck in running for this. If somebody wants to get out and reach in touch and get in your campaign and, and make a donation, which I know is important right now, uh, how do they get in touch with you? How do they do that? Well, thank you. Uh, we, we've been blessed. We raised the fourth most, most in any race against a Democrat incumbent in the United States. Uh, we're in a great position for this next election cycle. Uh, our website is richmccormick.us. Uh, McCormick like the spice, M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K. RichMcCormick.us is is how you get a hold of us. You want to volunteer, if you want to donate, if you want to read about who I am. Uh, You know, a 16-year military helicopter pilot for the Marine Corps. I went airborne. I uh, spent time as a Navy ER doc, uh, traveled the world in, in uh, missions all over, the, you know, in Haiti and in, in China, and believe it or not, in Hong Kong at the time when it was British-owned and, and all over the world. I just believe in, in uh, getting involved, getting dirty, getting the experience that it takes. I, I believe the good Lord has designed us for this moment in time where we have the right understanding of, of culture and, and what makes America great and a, and a great appreciation for the history of America and, and what's made all of us had that opportunity that we can succeed greater than anybody else in the world. Even if you came here from another country, didn't speak the language, don't look like everybody else, have no money, no connections. You can be more wealthy than anybody else in the world in one generation because this is America and it's unique. And that's what we have to protect. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you 100 percent. Yeah, we'll just end on that one. But, um, you know, thank you so much again for being here. Uh, you've got all the right tools in the toolbox. I hope the people wake up and, and in this election that things go your way. Uh, I know that uh, our nation needs it, that's for sure. Thank you all for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services, and in part by Sosby's Garage and Mana Scholarship Fund. Be sure to join us for the live broadcast every other Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. here on Business Radio X. If you miss the live broadcast, no worries. You can enjoy the show anytime you want by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Case in Point. This program is also available in iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe to that on that subscribe button of Case in Point so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Again, thank you, Dr. Richard McCormick. Thank you very much. And Al, thank you for sitting over here and monitoring. <laughs> and our producer, Mike. And again, I am Rick Strawn. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. A family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, foreign and domestic. We repair engines 
alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you.